Good to be here today in the church that I grew up in. My name is James Yandel. Um, it's good to see you guys and be able to fellowship with you guys and, and worship this awesome God that we serve with you guys today. Um, it, it is truly an honor. Um, I want to start out with a, a quote today um, by a, a theologian named John Piper. A lot of you probably heard of him before. It's always a good idea to start out a sermon with a John Piper quote. Um, and this is the quote. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Therefore, worship is the fuel and the goal of missions. The goal of missions is the gladness of the peoples and the greatness of God. These words, the opening lines of John Piper's book, Let the Nations Be Glad, devastated my life three years ago. It was like someone turning on a light after sitting in a dark room for an extended period of time, and it stung for a little while, this quote did, but then it allowed me to, to, to see things that I hadn't seen before. It allowed me to, to see God's global purpose that he has in the world, and to see my role in that global purpose. I know that sometimes if you're like me and you watch the news a lot, which I really don't recommend, it just makes you, uh, put you in a bad mood very quickly, but uh, if you do watch the news, it doesn't seem like God has a global plan for the nations, right? It seems like there's a lot of turmoil and, and chaos and persecution, or at best, it seems like if God does have a plan, that, that maybe he's not accomplishing that plan very well. But today, um, for the next 30 minutes or so that we have together, I ask that you would join me as we go beneath, you know, beneath the surface of the news um, to explore the heart of Christianity that, that beats around the world and God's purpose for the world. I know that in our day-to-day -day life of work and school and dentist appointments that we don't get to spend, or it doesn't seem like we can spend much time on the great realities of life. And so that's why I'm thankful for today. Uh, and we can pause for a moment take in a, a, a breath of fresh air by seeing God's plan to woo the nations to himself. And we're going to do that in two ways. First, we're going to see God's purpose for the peoples of the earth. And then we're going to explore how he plans to accomplish that plan through us, through you, the church. So if you would, uh, turn with me in your Bibles today to the book of Psalms, chapter 67. Uh, if you don't have your Bible there, that's fine. Uh, it's going to be up on the screen, the words are. But if you do have your Bible, I encourage you to, to open it, flip it open. Uh, Psalms is about halfway through your Bible. If you flip it right in half, you'll probably hit the book of Psalms. And we'll be in Psalm chapter 67. Um, uh, but as we read... Um, if you would just uh, 
about you stand with me as we read the Word of God and um, declare His glory. Psalm 67 says this, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face to shine upon us, Selah, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth, Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Thank you. May God be seated. May you be seated. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father, may you bless the reading of your word. As you have promised us elsewhere that your word does not return void, I pray that your word today would be like a sword for those who need it to be a sword to cut through our sin and our hardness of heart. I pray that it'd be like rain fall on those who are brokenhearted. And I pray that you would speak to each of the people in this room, from the first row to the last, to the back of the room, Father, to me on stage. I pray that you would speak to us and how we might respond in obedience to your word, but also how we might see you as glorious in your word. So be with me, Father, as I speak. May I not speak my own words, but may I speak only your heart, which is a fearful thing for me, a human, to try to do. But I pray that you would bless me by your Holy Spirit to do that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Beautiful thing about this psalm, um, and the beautiful thing about missions is that it doesn't start with us. It starts with God. The psalm starts, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. The psalm begins where we all must begin, sitting in grace at the feet of God. And that is a refreshing thing. Whether or not we're trying to reach people who live in the mountains of the Himalayas, or whether we're just trying to get up for work tomorrow. We must live within the grace of God. Grace is not something that, we, that, that gets us into the Christian life so that we can move on to something else. We will always live within the, the, the gracious border of God's mercy on us. You will always live in grace and in constant need of God. You know, I was thinking about all the verses that, you know, God loves us, and, and John's right, we, we are God's people, the sheep of his pasture, he, he loves us, but you know he calls us dust. He says, you, you are dust people. You came from the dust, and to dust you shall return. And I was thinking about that 
uh, man, I, I'm a dust person, right? I'm dust, and I think that I'm going to have an impact on the global stage for God? No. We can only do that which God enables us to do. As John preached graciously last week in Psalm 112, unless the Lord builds the house, uh, or Psalm 127, whatever it was, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain, unless the Lord watches over the city, those who watch, watch in vain. When it comes to missions or when we talk about God's command to make disciples of all nations, unless the Lord is doing that for us, unless we are partnering with God in that, we will fail. May God be gracious to us. It should be our prayer day after day after day after week. After week of toiling, after toiling, after year, after year, after decade, after decade, God be gracious to us. And notice he says, us. He says, us. He doesn't say, God be gracious to me. He says, God be gracious to us. And to me, that's one of the most glorious things of this passage. He says, God be gracious to us and bless us and make your face to shine upon us, not me, but us. And so make your prayers today and throughout your life pluralistic in nature. Like Jesus' great prayer, our Father in heaven, give us this day your daily bread. Forgive us of our trespasses. Lead us not into temptation. You can expand the scope of your prayers by changing two little letters. M-E versus U-S. So if you don't take anything else of the words that are spoken over you today, I pray that you would take that to expand the scope of your prayers to include your brothers and sisters in this church and churches here in America and the churches across the world or the peoples of the world. Use us in your prayers. And that's really what the psalm is about. This is about extending the grace of God to more and more people. Look at verse 2 with me. It says, That your way may be known on earth and your saving power among all nations. If you want to sum up this message in one word, the word is that. I wish I could plaster it on the screen. That's the title of the message today. Put it on the podcast. That is the title of this message. I love grammar. Man, I love grammar so much. It's a blessing. And I know that some of you think that grammar comes from the forges of hell, but it doesn't. It is, it is grace. It is grace. Don't pass over grammar when you're reading your Bible. It connects, it connects ideas and, and passages. It helps us to see connections that we wouldn't see if we uh, weren't looking for them, right? Words like and, but, yet, so, because. These are the great words in the Bible. The word that connects the first verse May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. It connects that verse 
with the second verse. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Verse 1 exists for verse 2, right? Verse 1 serves at the feet of verse 2. David Platt put it like, puts it like this. God blesses his people for the sake of his praise among all peoples. I'll say it one more time. God blesses his people for the sake of his praise among all peoples. To put it another way, you are blessed to be a blessing. That's the good news. The bad news is that there's a great tragedy in this passage, right? God's blessing us, and he's blessing us in order to to do something. But the tragedy in this passage is that there are people here in the United States, but also primarily in other parts of the world, who, uh, men and women and children, whose daily actions and feelings and thoughts and words dishonor God every day. They don't know God. His, his ways are not known to them. His saving power is not known to them. And without exposure to the gospel, to the good news and the grace that we live in every day, they will do what all people without Christ do, and that is perish. So God has designed in his sovereignty. He's all-powerful. He can do all things himself without us. But he's designed for there to be a connection between the blessing in your life and his grace extending to the othermost parts of the world. God blesses us in order to be conduits of his grace, um, uh, like electricity that flows out of um, our hearts through the Holy Spirit, into our families, into this church, into Oak Forest, into Houston and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And that's where, when we talk about missions, there's a, there's a breakdown in the circuit um, of blessing that terminates somewhere along the way before it gets there, right? Um, God's blessing uh, tends to terminate on ourselves, or maybe it, it does flow out into our church and our community, but maybe it terminates there and it does not flow to the peoples of the earth. I love this passage because it cuts the feet out from under the, the racist and ethnocentric tendencies that are in my heart and the hearts of probably most people. God is not a tribal deity. He's not an American God. He's not a Jewish God. He is Lord of all the earth. That is a glorious thing. So we're free to tell people near and far, come, come and join us. Whoever you are, come and be glad in God with us. So let's step back a moment. So let's step back away from the psalm and kind of get down into the nitty, gritty, grinding gears that is missions. Um, We call this the unfinished task. Um, So if you would uh, throw up that first slide with the map. 
um, for me, please. Hopefully that can come up. Um, Jesus said to go and make disciples of all nations. And missions is about completing that task. If you want to know what missions is about, it's about completing the task of preaching the gospel to all the different nations of the earth, right? To use common terminology, we use the term people groups, right? Um, And a people group is just a a, a collection of people who share a a language or they share a a common cultural identity that is very unique from the different groups around them. So to use an example, uh, uh, how about India, right? So India is a country on the planet. Um, It's just one country, but within India, within the, the borders of what they've scoped out as India, there are about 2,200 um, people groups living within that one country, right? So maybe um, the people groups living there have a vastly different language from some of the other people groups, or maybe they have a vastly different religion or, or culture that causes them to identify differently than the other people groups in that region. That, that's what we're talking about when we talk about people groups. Um, so I have this map up here, um, and it's a world map, right? I, I looked up a uh, hipster world map, actually, when I was looking it up, and this is what I got. So uh, this is the most hipster world map. Uh, so you'll see this rectangular box right there um, of ma- mainly um, northern Africa and the Middle East and uh, Southeast Asia. Uh, they call that box in missions terminology, about to learn, drop some knowledge on you today, they call that the 1040 window. Um, it has to do with the latitude and longitude of where the box is at. And honestly, I don't even remember which one's which ways. So that's just what they call it. Um, and this is where the majority of the people who are um, unreached live. And when we talk about unreached people groups, um, we're talking about those who have um, maybe no believers or maybe a very, very tiny percentage of the population is our believers. Maybe less than 2% of the population um, so around the world is about 4,000, depending on who you talk to, unreached people groups. These are people with very little or no access to the gospel. And they're unreached for a reason, right? You have, to, you have to fly overseas to get to them. They live in mountains. They live in deserts. They live in closed countries whose governments are hostile to the gospel, right? Like North Korea or China or especially in the Middle East. Even if you get to them, you still got barriers, right? Let's say you, you can do it and you, you go over to them and you, you get there, there's still barriers. Maybe they don't want to hear the gospel. You know, these are unreached for reasons. A lot of these regions um, are dominated by different belief systems. Belief systems like uh, Hinduism and Islam and Buddhism. Let's say you do get there and you do find someone who wants to hear the gospel, Right? There's even other barriers. Niemen buchoi shol jongwen, so niemen buchoi gausu wo yesu de gusher. Yesu shoshe. Even if you do, we can't understand each other. There's a language barrier, right? I want to share the gospel, and you don't understand me, and I don't understand you. So there's barriers. It takes years of painstaking, painstaking. Uh, language study and research and all these different things to even begin to start getting the resources they need so that they can come out from under the wrath of God, under the grace of God. 
according to Joshua Project, which is an um, online website that talks about people groups and different things like that. Um, it says that um, of those 4,000 unreached people groups, it comes up to about 3 billion people, depending on who you talk to. These are the least reached people on the earth. Um, I think there's about 4,400 Southern Baptist missionaries who are sent out full-time to live amongst these people. Um, and I did the math, and uh, that means it comes out to one Baptist missionary for every 681,818 people. So I'm sure your first thought is, James, way too many numbers and statistics. My head hurts. But, but maybe your second thought is, that's discouraging. You know, that's, how, how can this psalmist in Psalm 67, how can he be so joyful? It's a joyful psalm, right? If you go back and listen, or if you go back and read it, let the nations be glad, rejoice, sing for joy. It's joyful. Let's finish the psalm in verse uh, 6 and 7. Let's read what it says. It says, the earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. The psalm begins with a prayer, and it ends with confidence. It starts out with, may God bless us, and it ends with, God shall bless us. Nations be glad. Sing for joy, people, peoples of the earth, because God, our God, is coming to bless you. He has a plan, and he will accomplish it. He will not stop until he has called people out of every nation of the earth to be his worshipers. The beauty of it is that you nor I can do anything to stop it. In fact, we, sitting in this room, this collection of people, are a, a f- fulfillment of this psalm. This is a Jewish psalm writer, right? This is a person living in Israel, 1500, 1200, or 2500 BC, whatever it is. To him, we are the nations. We, sitting in this room, are fulfilling this prophecy. You are prophecy fulfillers. Be glad, White Oak. Sing for joy, White Oak, because God loves you, and in his relentless pursuit of the nations, he found you. Be joyful. A lot of uh, pleas when it comes to missions is kind of like, if we don't, if we don't say it, they're not going to hear which is true in some ways, but the real narrative of Scripture is that God is doing this no matter what, and he wants us to be a part of it. He makes that so clear. The last verse I'll read today is in Revelation. Revelation is just the last book in the Bible, and it gives you a glimpse of the future of all time. It's my favorite book of the Bible. I don't know why people kind of avoid that book, maybe because it's confusing or whatever, but I want to know what happens in the future, and I want to know that it's going to turn out okay for me. So I like Revelation. But in Revelation chapter 7, there's a verse 
that gives hope for the struggling missionaries, that gives hope for churches who want to have a global impact, people pray, who pray day after day after day for the nations, and this is the hope. John says in heaven, he says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Missions cannot fail. It's impossible for it to fail because God is doing it. He's decreed it. But he has so chosen to push missions forward and and push against darkness through the hands and the feet and the prayer of the local church, us. And so there's kind of two ways to respond to a, a, a passage like this. You know, one way is to say, uh, you know, well, God's going to get it done. You know, it's like we just sit on our hands. He, he's going to do it no matter what. I can't stop him. So I'm just going to let him do it. But I believe the biblical approach is different. And I believe the approach that leads to more blessing and life is the approach that says, God, I want to be what you're about. I know that your heart is for peoples of the earth and I know that your heart is for men and women who look differently than I do and who speak a different language than I do. And I want to be a part of taking grace and pouring it into their lives. Why do I know know that there's a million different things that people are asking you to do, and in the Christian life, there's a lot of things to be doing, and I'm not saying to stop those things. I'm just saying that I'm asking you to, to wrap up those things into the global plan of God for the peoples of the earth. So whether it's, you know, loving your family in a way that helps the families of the earth, whether it's starting to use concept of people groups in your prayers, whether it's using your resources in such a way that you bless the local church and the global church, find ways to minister to God in this way. Just really quickly before I end, I want to talk a little bit about White Oaks legacy when it comes to missions. And this is a, this is a shining spot in White Oak. This is a, to use really old school cliche term, terminology, this is a jewel in your crown, White Oak. Um, if you would uh, throw up the next um, slide there, hopefully it can come up. Um, you may not know, but White Oak has had a pretty uh, big global impact in the world throughout the past uh, 20, 25 years or so. Um, and these are just the things that I know about. Um, but in the past, um, you'll see these lines going across the map. And every line represents a, a, a place in the world um, that we, as a church, have either been to or that we have sent out people to proclaim the name of Jesus. Um, and I'll, 
I'll read a list of some of these places. Um, Venezuela, multiple times. Um, we have Jeff and Amy George who are with us today, who were sent out by White Oak and some other churches to minister among people um, in East Asia. We have people who've gone to Kenya, Kajabi, Kenya. People have gone to Costa Rica multiple times. People have gone to Nicaragua. People have gone to Saltillo, Mexico, Guadalajara, Mexico, San Luis, Mexico, Monterey, Mexico. People have gone to Ukraine. People have gone to Russia. We even had people have gone locally, right, to other cities in the United States, especially the youth. We've gone to Mississippi. We've gone to Kansas. We've gone to Missouri. We've gone to Oklahoma multiple times. We've gone to Louisiana multiple times. We've gone to Indiana, we've gone to Galveston, and probably a whole other host of other places that I have no idea. Um, if you have gone on um, short-term or, or any type of, of missions-type trip, would you mind uh, raising your hand? I just want to see. Uh, just kind of look around. Look at this legacy of... So I'm not saying for you guys to do something that you haven't already done. I'm just saying to, to continue this rich legacy that White Oak has of engaging the world stage for the sake of God's glory among the nations. May this new generation engage peoples across the earth. And you know, I can't, um, I can't tell you how you're supposed to do that. Um, that's, that's for you as a church and for your leadership to to pray about how you want to strategically impact the nations. Um, but I can give you some ideas and some tips really quick as, as we close. And the first one is that you can pray. Um, John Piper says that small prayer circles change the world. And it's amazing to me that I can you know, come over here and I can sit down and I can bow my head and I could pray something and that prayer would be lifted up to the heavens and God would hear that prayer and that he would disperse that prayer and do actual things in the world. That blows my mind that I can move the world without moving an inch. Just by praying, God has willed and decreed that our prayer changes things. So if you don't know how to pray um, for the nations, that's okay. There's a lot of resources. There's, you can go online and sign up for like people group of the day email and it'll just send you a little email snippet each day of an unreached people group and it'll tell you about their culture and whether or not they eat spiders or a dog or whatever it is. And it'll tell you about their culture and all that kind of stuff and prayer needs. Um, you can use books like Operation World. It's like that thick, but it's a prayer guide for every nation and it's, helps you pray throughout the year for that. Um, if you're not that committed, there's little prayer guides like this um, for the Z people of Eastern, uh, of Southeast Asia. And this is a 30-day prayer guide that, you know, each day focuses on a different thing. Uh, these are just little ways that you can incorporate a global vision and a global legacy for your life. And the second thing that you can do after praying is to be a part of Sending um, other people. 
you know, we, that's why we um, give the Lottie Moon each year. That's why we um, support people who are raised up and sent out, people like Michael Nikosha most recently, and people like uh, Steve Gonzalez. You know, we want to we give of our resources in such a way that people see that our resources are not our treasure. God is. And this church has done that for me multiple times, um, has partnered with me um, as I've gone and has partnered with, with others as they've gone on short-term and long-term missions. A real quick story. Um, William Carey was one of the early, I believe if I get my facts right, one of the early uh, people to, to minister in India. And uh, he went with a, a group of guys over there, and he was with them, and it was like a short-term trip. And he turned to the guys and he said, Brothers, I'll go down the well if you hold the rope. And so one of the guys named Andrew Fuller went back you know, to his country and never spent much time outside his home, but he spent his life raising up and sending out those who would. And so I pray, White Oak, that you would be a church with the glorious role of rope holding for those who go. And the last thing that you can do is that you can go yourselves. Um, so many people have gone on short-term mission trips. And man, I, can just, I just encourage you, if you've never gone on a mission trip, um, either locally but also in the context of this sermon, overseas, do it week, two weeks, months, whatever you can, do it. It, <laughs> it will devastate you, and it will wreck your life, <laughs> but in a good way. So, for your joy, for God's joy, and for the joy of all peoples, engage in global missions. Be a church that engages the nations and takes a role in that. So I'm going to pray for us and kind of close out the message time. But um, you know, after I pray, we're going to have a time of response. And um, you know, this is your time to, you know, if you're if you're moved to to join this faith family, to to say, hey, I, I want to covenant with these people to to live life with them to. To, to share my burdens with them and to help them in the mission of the local church, then this would be your time to do that. If you want to come forward, if you, don't, if you want to be bl- glad in God through Jesus Christ, and you've never done that before, you can come forward. John, Pastor John will be up here. I'll be up here. You can talk with one of us. Um, even if you want to come and pray at the steps while we sing, this is your time to respond. So before we do that, um, let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you are the righteous judge, Lord of all the earth. Um, Father, I thank you for Psalm 96, or for Psalm 67, and for Psalm 96, which is also about missions, Father. Um, I thank you that we can be glad in you, and that you have called us to be glad in you. I thank you that you are not a tribal deity, but that you are Lord of all the earth. Father, I pray that during this time and throughout this week that we would be people who sing for joy because Jesus Christ has has come, because we are dust people 
And Christ has come and become a dust person like us to die for our sins and for our weaknesses and to be raised to new life so that we too could be raised to new life and to new purpose. And that is making your name great among the people around us and the people to the uttermost parts of the earth. Father, may you be gracious to this congregation and may you bless them and may you make your face to shine upon them so that your name would be known among the nations, your saving power among all people. That which you have spoken, bring into fruition. We love you, Father. We rest in your grace. We sit at your feet. We are yours forever and ever. In Jesus' name.